Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today I'm going to be talking with Rob Anderson of Louisiana. He's running for the House of Representatives. He is a a blue-collar dude. He's really cool. He's progressive. And I don't usually interview candidates, and the reason why is because, you know, I think they could probably find... um, whether it's local, you know, whether whatever state they're in, they could they could do a podcast that's a little more local or a television show, so that they could reach more viewers. Obviously, my audience is is more of a national audience and not huge like MSNBC. So I explained, you know, you're, you're not necessarily going to get anywhere with my show, but it's an opportunity to talk about national issues, and I think you're going to really enjoy him because he's very common sense. He he's like a, he's a progressive person who is down to earth, and he's kind of like like me. Um, he's, he's likes Elizabeth Warren. He, he voted for Bernie like I did in 2016, but then he voted for, or I don't know who he voted for, but, or no, he didn't get to vote for anyone because Louisiana doesn't have its primary yet, but he was for, or he supported Elizabeth Warren. And so basically we share values. And so he's going to be an interesting conversation. And since Bernie dropped out, we're going to discuss that. We're also going to discuss, um, you know, how COVID is, likely going to affect healthcare. Healthcare is a big, big, big deal, and it's on all of our minds right now. So it's it's a good conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I want to just be real quick and let you know that I'm going to be, I'm not doing a patrons-only show this week. I'm taking a little break, but I will do two of them in the next coming week. So the first week is going to be, um, or is it three weeks? I've got three weeks to do it, don't I? Woohoo! Okay, so it's going to probably be like one next week and then either one the following week or the one after. But next week, I'm going to start off on Monday with Rob Sullivan. He's the guy I talked about on Monday that I met him in 2008. He is, uh, I met him because he was holding a seminar, running a seminar, seminar when I was selling janitorial products. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I viewed him as a motivational speaker before I met him. And I kind of rolled my eyes thinking, oh, God. And, oh, my God, he turned out to be the coolest down-to-earth guy ever. And I stayed friends with him on Facebook. So I know he has battled cancer and come out on the other side. And he is somebody like me who is practicing manifesting. And he's going to give some really great um, pointers. I don't know what, you know, tips on how to like stay centered and not allow our fear to overcome us which is something that I desperately need because I do well, I'd say about 80% of the time, but 20% of the time, I'm completely freaked out. So I definitely would love to hear his take on you know, how to maintain sanity during this global pandemic and then with the crazy man who's running the country. Um, and then Ben Cohen's going to be on Wednesday. <laughs> He's the... Uh, the guy who runs the Daily Banter, and he's got an English accent. And Bob, my boyfriend, always jokes that all the ladies love his accent, which he is fun. He, you're, if you haven't heard him, you're going to love him. He's so much fun. The following week, I'm going to be talking, and I don't know which days, Monday and Wednesday. I don't know which days because Sarah Wood, who I'm going to be talking with, she's checking out her work schedule. So, And then it's going to be Steph. So it'll be those two, and I'm sure one on, you know, off day, like on Tuesday or on Thursday, I'll be doing a patrons only podcast. Um, that will probably just be a, my, my, my solo one because obviously Steph's going to be doing a free show. And then uh, in the next two weeks, I'll probably be doing 
yet another one with Steph, providing she's available. So uh, before we start talking to Rob, you know you know the drill. Start Me Up is a podcast supported by listeners. That's you. And it's woman run. That's me. So if you like the show today, please consider becoming a patron. You could just go to patreon.com slash start me up. You can join up for any dollar amount. If you join up, if you do anything up to $5, you get every single free show and whatever patrons only show is less than $5 delivered to your email box. If you sign up for $5 a month, you get those patrons only shows. And they're just a little bit more personal. Like I said, I do solo shows. Sometimes I talk about my dating, my, my old dating life. I don't date anymore. I'm with Bob. Um, but I talk about that. I might bitch about, you know, the patriarchy, whatever it is, it's more of a personal thing. And it's, going to you know just be either stories from my life or or just venting about whatever bullshit that I'm seeing online and then I'm going to be doing shows with you know hosts like Stephanie and you know how it is with Stephanie we are friends and it's just fun and it's great because I think that everyone enjoys when we're together because there is definitely a friendship there there are feelings that we have for each other and people can pick up and read it and so it's always fun talking to Steph Let's see. Uh, You can find Start Me Up on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts can be found. You can find Start Me Up. And don't forget, because this is the part of the podcast where I beg you, please, please, please go to Apple Podcasts and become a subscriber. It's free. doesn't cost you anything. just clicks. And then um, if you would, Give me a five-star review. Of course, that's what I want, a five-star. But give me whatever you think is fair, but I want a five-star review. Plus, uh, you know, I should say a five-star rating and then a review. I haven't had a review since March 3rd, so I need another review. Please just imagine me on my knees with my hands in a praying position going, please. (laughs) All right, that's enough of me begging. Now on to my conversation with Rob Anderson from Louisiana. Welcome, Rob. Hello. I'm so glad you're here today. As am I. It's a pleasure and an honor to be uh, to be on this podcast. It's a good way to uh, use the social distancing imperative uh, <laughs> to still get the message out without actually shaking hands with people. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I've, we've been following each other for a while and I've always enjoyed your tweets. And then I, I got a, a DM from somebody who said, you should have Robert Anderson on. And I was like, you know, I should, because um, I have found that it's it's difficult for me to showcase a candidate coming from a particular state because, you know, I mean, I'm not MSNBC. I'm not reaching millions and millions of people. I have a, a, a smaller group that I reach. But what I like about you and why I'm excited to talk to you today is because you have a, a kind of like a broad conversation. You, you open up broad conversations. And... Um, you're an interesting follow, so I recommend everybody listening should follow Rob. He's really fun. But um, I thought, you know, you're you're going to be able to lend something to this conversation. I like your ideas. I like your feel. And I know, like, you're a working class candidate. So why don't you tell everybody, you know, what seat you're running for and why are you running? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, let me say uh, thank you for that and uh, for your audience and for anybody else who doesn't already follow me, although so many of you do, uh, for which I'm grateful, is uh, at Rob Anderson 2018 
Uh, obviously, I started that Twitter account the last congressional <laughs> run. Yes. Uh, and, and Twitter won't let me change it to Rob Anderson 2020. So that's a separate issue. Um, and yes, I do speak on national issues because while we are here in the bayou and we have our own uh, specific um, issues down here, of course, as every lo you know locality does, um, the seat I'm running for is uh, Louisiana's third district, the mm -hmm. House of Representatives, which is, of course, a federal office. Yes. And uh, the entire country, the politics, excuse me, the politics of the entire country, of course, affect every federal decision. Mm -hmm. I think in my experience, and this is what we're running on, just being, you know, I'm just an average person who was a driller up till three years ago and then just got uh, fed up with corrupt politicians. Mm -hmm. So threw my hat into the process. Yeah. Um, what we're running on is that the messaging, I think, varies from location to location. We are definitely in a Fox News zone. Yeah. Um, you see that uh, made fun of nationally. People don't understand, who, you know, who are these people who don't understand what's going on with this administration? Well, here they are. They're my neighbors. <laughs> um, and uh, and I've found just being who I am and going out and meeting with people when you talk to them, they don't understand the issues. They mm -hmm. only get uh, tidbits and, you know, partial mm -hmm. information. And, you know, a lot of uh, campaigning is just meeting people and letting they realize when they meet you that you're just somebody who's trying to, you know, have them vote for their own best interests. Yeah. So who, who are you running against? Oh, the incumbent here is Clay Higgins, okay. uh, who is uh, someone nationally known as being a, a somewhat of a buffoon. He's a GOP <laughs> install is what he is. Right. He was a he was a YouTube star a few years ago. Uh, when he worked for the St. Landry Sheriff's Department, he did these videos, uh, Crime Stoppers, yeah. uh, which you might have heard of. And uh, GOP party back on the when Trump rose to power in 2016 with his, you know, quote unquote populist message. Mm -hmm. um, they picked Higgins for that because he was a YouTube star and he just does <laughs> what the GOP tells him. Right. So. Wow. Well, you need to win. <laughs> I really do. I mean, we we want somebody who's looking out for the people, not for the not for a party. Well, and you have such a great like the way the way you look and the way you carry yourself is just so uh, you're approachable. You seem, you know, I mean, I hate to say this because I don't think people should be elected for this, but you do look like the kind of guy that you could have like the beer with because you look personable, you're intelligent, you look like somebody who um, you are somebody who is just has, you know, has been a working class man and you've had various I was reading your bio you have various different job descriptions which you could tell us about but I mean you just come from you know you're a regular person who's decided I'm gonna like you said I have to fight this corruption and so you have a way about you that like just by looking at your photos and watching your videos you just you seem really relaxed and approachable do you find though I want to before you get into what you've done in your life um mm -hmm. do you find that when you talk to like either Republicans or maybe some um, conservative independents, are they open to you? Oh, my goodness, yes. Um, the libertarians, I don't know if you uh, yes. know much about libertarian I politics. Yeah. yeah, I figured you would, but I just <laughs> never <laughs> assume what people know. Right. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to walk you into a... Uh, well, maybe uh, some of my of listeners that you don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know how many of my listeners are too familiar with the liberta conservative libertarians because there's a difference. Yeah, absolutely. The conservative libertarians. Um, and I think down here they label themselves that without really understanding what it means. What they what 
in the real world down here, what it means is that they just don't want the government to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to own guns and they want to be able to buy weed. That's basically, <laughs> yeah. that's basically what it gets reduced down to. And of course, being pro-cannabis, especially medical cannabis, mm-hmm. is part of my platform. That was the first thing that actually got me noticed in 2018. Okay. Because if you look at the science of the issue, uh, you know, cannabis has killed zero people. Right. So being scheduled as a Schedule One narcotic Yes, ridiculous, is, yeah. is a fool's errand. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously the, the policies were put in place in the 30s during the racist reaction to, you know, uh, Mexican immigrant workers mm-hmm. at the time in California. And that's how cannabis became illegal. And when you talk to people about that, it's not just you want to get high or you don't. It's you have to look at why laws are put in place. And this one obviously has racist roots. Yeah. So it appeals to both liberals um, quote unquote, again, um, I, I think that a lot of times we categorize people when, you know, most people don't really fit neatly into any category, uh, because it is a scientific approach to a legislative problem. And it appeals to the wild government hating libertarians down here because it looks like you're standing up to the government. Well, of course we're standing up to the government. The government is us, you know, we, we we're the ones who get together and vote on these things Mm -hmm. and it's been reduced down to who has the loudest message Mm -hmm. and then who waves a Bible around and says, you know, Jesus doesn't want you to smoke marijuana. And I was like, I don't remember him saying that. (laughs) Maybe maybe I miss you know Matthew twelve sixteen you know thou shalt not smoketh the weed, but um, no you know hits mixing you. mixing uh, you know identity politics is what I yeah. really work against, which is ironic as you said <laughs> that um, my identity is here I am I'm a former driller former home builder former concrete foreman I laid you know slabs for supermarkets hmm. and I also have read a lot of books mm-hmm. so you know I'm not I'm not uninformed about issues and at some point i realized our elected officials are certainly no smarter than i am so why can't i throw my hat in the ring even if i I don't have the pedigree that often politicians do i didn't go to law school i wasn't a member of you know uh, the what what the the skull and bones Mm -hmm. at yale i mean i went to nyu for a semester then i dropped out so (laughs) i mean i have no college degree i'm just a working guy yeah well i think i think that especially um since 2015 even though Bernie Sanders was, you know, in politics and in government for quite some time. I, and, and then mm-hmm. you know, we saw Trump come in, which was a reality star fucking buffoon. Excuse my language. But um, you don't necessarily have to be profane, but I usually am. So I apologize. Uh, oh, I'm quite profane. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate candor. So, um, and it would be nice to be able to uncensor myself. Yes. Sure. Well, that, that's fully up to you. I, I have, I, sometimes it just slips out. Uh, I Like I should say, when of I'm course. talking to someone like you, I, I, I just lost myself in the moment because I was talking about Trump and then profanity just flies out of my mouth because I can't help it. But I usually try to be a little bit more respectful if it's a candidate, but I just lost it there. So anyway, you're free to do whatever you want because my uh, one of my partners, Stephanie, she's running for um, city council in Oakland. And, you know, she lets mm-hmm. the F, she lets the F-bombs go off all the time. So uh, mm-hmm. I th- and that's the thing. It's like I think that right now we're in a place in politics where um, – where people are deciding, just like, you know, AOC, like, you know what, I want to uh, make a difference. And it doesn't matter that you haven't had all, like, you were talking about those credentials. It's, it's just, are you capable? And a lot of us are capable. I mean, I certainly, people have suggested to me that I would run, and it's like, I'm never going to run. It's just never going to do it. But, um, I mean, I think I might be capable of doing it, but I don't really have any desire to do it. So, 
people I'm going to leave that up to the people who have desire but um <laughs> <laughs> like you um and I certainly hope you win but um I want to so okay you are in Louisiana and I want to know I want to talk about Bernie in a minute but before we get to that um mm-hmm. that breaking news of Bernie um What's going on with COVID in Louisiana? It has made the national news, mm-hmm. but um, I can tell you from on the ground here, and I was uh, actually just going over the statistics about an hour ago, um, not preparing for the podcast, preparing for something <laughs> else we're doing. Um, it started at a, a massive burn rate in uh, centralized in New Orleans, of course. One, because that's our biggest population center. Yeah. And two, uh, only about a month ago, we just held Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. which, which people don't understand is a, a massive undertaking for Louisiana, and not just New Orleans. Um, the, the massive part of it is people come from all over the country to yeah. go to Mardi yes. Gras. Yes. So um, what had happened, and this is analysis that has been scientifically shown yet, there's a lot of data we're still working through, but anybody who came into Mardi Gras um, infected, of course, was exposed to many more people than would be the norm. Yeah. Not, ju- not just local Louisianans, but then would take it back to wherever their country or state or city of origin was. Mm-hmm. So the burn rate started there, of course, and then spread to Red, Baton Rouge. And of course, it's in North Louisiana. My concern looking at uh, COVID-19 in Louisiana is that the region of the state I'm in, which is Southwest Louisiana, Lake Charles, Lafayette, uh, De Quincey, Crowley, a lot of small towns, but two fairly big ones, Lake mm-hmm. Charles and Lafayette, have not yet really begun to show a growth of cases. And mm-hmm. I don't think that means we're out of the woods. Right. Um, I think that that's yet to come. Mm-hmm. That's my my genuine fear. I mean, mm-hmm. this is where I live. I live north of Lake Charles. I'm in the region that I went out yesterday to drive to my office. I went to the gas station, wiped the pump didn't interact with anybody, drove out to my office, drove back. So, but I see a lot of cars on the road and I see a lot of shopping centers still open. Um, And I see some masks out in public Mm -hmm. on occasion now, which has just happened, uh, but not many. So I I, I fear that we're just beginning here in Louisiana, unfortunately. It seems to be leveling off in New Orleans and Baton Rouge and really hasn't caught on here in the southwestern part of the state. And I think I think people are going to see the news and go, okay, the danger's over, back back to work, back to life, and then we're going to see the second wave, and that's that's my genuine concern right now. Oh my God, this this is just you know, I mean, it goes without saying, but it's just so scary. And I I go, I mean, I go through my own versions of waves myself. Yesterday, I was in, um, I was really frightened because I had seen this. Uh, thread from a woman, I can't remember her last name, but it's Maggie something, and she works for the New York Times. It's not Maggie Haberman. Anyway, oh, she, okay. it's somebody yeah. else. But she and her husband uh, got both got it. And so she mm. described all of the symptoms. And basically, it was really scary because they have mild symptoms. And she's like, this is nothing like you would understand as mild. Uh, you know, her husband got a fever and kept that fever for uh, at least a week and a half or more. Um, she described, and just as Chris, Chris Cuomo did, those coughing fits, um, mm-hmm. like make you shake. They make you feel like you want to vomit. Um, but anyway, I was so worried, and I'm I'm feeling slightly better. But 
she had said that, um, and I asked her specifically, when did you start shelter in place? Because they start, because she said, you know, we rubbed every, we wipe everything down and, you know, I'm a germaphobe. So everybody who knows me knows that I'd be very careful about that. So she started sheltering in place on the 11th of March and her husband started showing symptoms on the 21st. So that does fall into the 11.5 day incubation period. It, I, I read about it and it was like, it's either five days. Most people uh, get infected within five days uh, or at least show symptoms. And then the second batch is, you know, of people are 11.5 days. And then, it, and then there's a much smaller group of people that will start showing symptoms at 14 days. So I think that it, it sounds to me that they got it or he got it uh, before they started the shelter in place. So I just want to put that out there to anybody who, I mean, uh, if you shelter in place and you take all the precautions, I do believe you reduce, you know, the, uh, the possibility of catching. There's always a danger. There's always a risk. But I think you reduce that risk when you take every precaution, which I, I take as much as I can. I mean, it's like I do so much. I'm like ridiculous about it. And then I'm traumatized when I come home. I'm traumatized for like three hours. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Um, and, and my own version of that, we started shelter in place. Uh, it ended up being for a 16 day stretch. It was uh, a week or two ago. Uh, my entire family, that's my mother, my wife and my son in this particular household. Um, back at the beginning of March. And we were 16 days isolated, and everybody was well by the end of it. And that was the first time well, that's good, that, yeah. I, that I'd gone anywhere that I can remember, 16 days. And since then, there have been a couple of trips out with the additional precautions added. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, wiping everything down, washing before and after masks, um, and, and you know, maintaining social distancing is a big one. Yeah. And we are seeing, seeing that in stores, all the stores mm -hmm. here in southwest louisiana anyway i mean they've put you know tape on the floors to yes. mark out six yes. six foot intervals um when you're checking out at a grocery store so i mean that's a good thing most of them have put up a, a sort of uh clear yeah uh plastic yes. uh, sneeze that. shield of sorts to protect the cashiers yeah um so people are reacting to it um where it's needed right. the individuals are starting to catch on i think <laughs> You know, just from going to different stores and you see all this and you think, well, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's fake news. Maybe right. it's 5G infecting us with, you know, chemtrail bats. That's yeah, all right. I mean about that. <laughs> um, but it, it, people are taking it seriously and that part is good. So yeah. I'm hoping we can, as they say, flatten the curve, keep it to where the healthcare system can keep up. Yes. And then oh we don't uh, tip over. Yeah, because it's just too much. And I want to. I want to get back to that in a minute, but before we do, mm -hmm. of course, I have to talk about the fact that Bernie Sanders um, dropped out. But yes, he did. Yes. He did. Very, but he kind of very did. recent news. Yes, yes, very recent news. But he did, and he kind of didn't because he's remaining on the ballot, and he right. he wants to collect delegates so he can push uh, the left or the Democrats. Which I just I'm going to ask you about this, but I'm going to give you my opinion first, which is I don't really mind if he. Uh, if he pushes the Democrats in a way that's unifying, because, I mean, I, I was a Bernie supporter in 2016. I no longer am for various reasons. And then this time around, I was a Warren supporter and I, I, I still like Warren. But um, I don't like, like, for instance, when Warren tackles maybe the same kind of issue that Warren, I mean, that Bernie tackles, 
Warren comes from a place of, okay, here's what's wrong and here's the solution. Here's the way we fix it. And I feel like, the, what, and I don't know how you feel about Bernie, so I'm just throwing it out there. But I mean, what I see from him is he, he kind of like goes after the party and attacks the party. And I feel that that undermines it when, when instead it would just be so much better to say, okay, we've, the Democratic Party is not perfect and we have to fix their, the problems. So here are my solutions to fix those problems instead of, you know, using the term democratic establishment as a dirty word. And, you know, I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I want to get rid of Citizens United. Um, I think, obviously, there are Democrats that are paid by, you know, uh, all kinds of lobbyists or, who you know, different pharmaceutical companies or whatever it is. And then they have to answer to those pharmaceutical companies. And I don't like that. But right now, this is the system we have. So the way I see it in the way uh, I think Amy Klobuchar said in the uh, one of the debates, she's like, "Look, let's just freaking drop this and say, use what you use, use what you can, and what's available to you right now to win this election. And then, when you get power, go into you know election reform or campaign finance reform. And I'm totally about that because it's like we can't fight Donald Trump. You know, it's like with 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 a hug. It's not going to work. We need the money." <laughs> <laughs> and and I you know and it's like that's just our system now that's set up. I want that system to change. I want it to be better for the people. I want I want Medicare for all. I want all of that. Um, but I just you know and it's like so I hope that the way you know I mean Bernie dropped out much sooner this time than he did uh, in 2016. And so I hope as he it, you know when he pushes the party, I, I really hope that he does it in a unifying way. What are your thoughts? Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you for that because you said most of what my personal opinion is and you covered it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> so my could respond, my response could be if I was being brief and not a politician is well said, Kimberly, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, now I, uh, I actually have donated to around eight of the candidates over time, mm -hmm. uh, because you did touch on many things. Um, one thing that I'd like to point out, and this is my observations from having joined the political arena. And originally I started as an independent. Mm -hmm. and I was, I was also a Bernie supporter in 2016. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that because of how the machinery is in place, you call it the system. Mm -hmm. Um, it's basically, this is the way things are. Um, I joined the Democratic Party in July of uh, the last election, 2018, mm -hmm. and and have stayed Democrat ever since. And it's um, how to say it without sounding. <laughs> I, I know what I'm talking about, so I'm trying to <laughs> convey that I know what I'm talking about. Right. Well, if if you're joining a team. Um, if you've ever been, I don't know if you've ever been in any organized sport, um, but if you ever join a team, when you get back to the locker room, teams yell at each other. Yeah. Those teammates, they, they push yes. each other harder. Hey, yes. you screwed up that play, you know, do better next time. Yeah. And, you know, that's where it happens on the field. When you're competing against, yes, in this unified, case, the Republican yeah. party, it's a unified front. Right. So yeah, Bernie has brought a lot of that out into the open. Mm -hmm. And I, and I agree that it is good. His, his platform. I don't know of anybody who is against every human being in this country yeah. or in the world for that matter, having full health care. Yeah. I am absolutely hundred percent for it. Yeah. What we disagree on are methodologies exactly. or, or, you know, uh, ways to enact those policies. Yeah. But of course I'm from, you know, universal health care. Of course, always yeah. have been. Yeah. 
Yeah, me too. And I had great insurance in the 90s, and thank goodness, because we were afford to, able to afford to have kids. If we were having kids today, I wouldn't be able to afford it. Right, yeah. <laughs> my, two, my two kids cost 50 bucks. That's how much wow. I had to pay. I was in a union, I had good insurance, and that's all they cost. And it's just a different world now, mm-hmm. and a lot of times, my generation, I think you're around the same age, Generation X. Yes, we are. Um, we're both in and the boomers, 1968. You know, we don't, you know, a lot of times you look at, uh, you know, well, we don't need these young folks to tell us how to do things well yeah you do you need to realize that it's not the same world and i have my kids my daughter is a millennial my son is gen z actually Hmm. just missed the cutoff Hmm. but you know i hear from them their perception of the world and Hmm. i can educate them and i try to do that with individual voters i'm not against any of bernie's policies um and nor am i against bernie in any way it's just i don't think he's the right choice um necessarily to quarterback the team at this particular yeah. time yeah. is, a, and well, I hope yeah. that doesn't, I don't mean it to be condescending. This is my opinion. Um, and that that's all it is, but yes, I am forty fighting for all of the democratic party principles. And a big one down here in Louisiana is minority inclusion. Right. Um, you know, Jim Crow laws didn't really leave Louisiana. Mm-hmm. It's a different world down here. And, you know, my voters tell me they like Biden. And so I'm not one to tell them, no, you don't like Biden. Exactly. You just don't know Bernie. Exactly. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I talk to him. I don't try to condescend. Anybody. Right. So every region is different, but, you know, the voters are speaking and you have to go with that. OK, here's our strong candidate. There's the opponent. That's yeah. the opponent. Not Bernie, not Biden, not mm-hmm. Warren, who I also supported, by the way. Uh, Kamala was my first choice. Mm-hmm. Um, she dropped out early. Yeah. Um, I, I like Beto. You know, yeah. I it's it's who's gonna you know stand for what we all want and and that's my take on the presidential primary so yeah the way bernie's doing it i think it is good yes he he will allow to uh his voters to get to express their voice yeah you know which i think is important it's like you know what you stood up for bernie and you want a chance to go to the polls and say that because our primary should have been this week Mm -hmm. but was pushed back to june for example the louisiana state primary for the presidential election so the, Ber- the bernie voters down here might feel cheated but if he right. stays on the ballot and says you know i know i'm not going to make it but i want my voters to have a chance to express yeah. their voice i have no problem with that well yeah and the more delegates just, he gets he eventually we got to unify because we know what the enemy is right well and now oh my god now we get to find out who biden's choosing for his vp pick and i'm so curious and you know i mean just yesterday John Lewis endorsed him and and said, you know, urged him to choose a woman of color. Uh, of he, he's definitely been urged by other people. I think even Clyburn urged uh, Clyburn uh, urged him. Right. Um, so he's got a lot of pressure to nominate a woman of color. Um, and I'm I'm so curious to see who he's going to nominate because I think you know I mean I've often wondered and I know I'm not alone here. I've said this on my podcast that um, you know the way that I, I certainly was not for Biden. I, you know, I never got a chance to vote for, right, for the person right. that I wanted to vote for, but, um, he was not my first <coughs> choice. Me. And it's not that I don't like him. I just, he, I just didn't want him, but okay, here he right. is. And, and, and you right. know what? I heard somebody say, um, on social media, or I should say I read it somewhere. So I cannot give this attribution. I don't know who it is, but there was a point made. And I think it was by an African American who said, you know, um, the reason why uh, black people are not voting for Bernie is because the Democratic Party is the only thing that they have um, that protects them. And 
Bernie wants to burn it all down. And whether or not he truly wants to literally burn it all down, I think that it frightens black people because they have the most to lose. You know, they are discriminated against more. They have to deal with less pay than, you know, like a white woman right. gets a certain amount, a black woman gets less. So so they, I feel like... You 65 know, cents on the dollar. Yeah, and so... Is, is the answer to that one. <laughs> 70 cents, 75 cents for the white woman, 65 cents for a woman of color. Right, yes. so people of color... Um, specifically black voters have the most to lose. And I feel yes. like they look at Bernie and they're like, I don't, I don't trust starting from scratch because where do I stand in all of this? And I totally understand that. And then, you know, and then we also have to look at the fact that when, you know, with each primary, we have seen 70 to 80% of the black voters in that whatever particular state going for Biden. And mm -hmm. so another woman who, uh, another African-American woman on, on Facebook had done this post about why do we trust Biden? Because he he took he played second fiddle to Barack Obama for eight years and did so graciously. He never argued with him and we trust him. And I totally get that. I totally understand that. And it's like, um, just like you were saying, I'm not going to try to convince anybody to uh, not vote for Biden. If that's who they feel is the, you know, the person to bring this all together. And then, of course, Biden appeals to um you know, to, to centrists on the right and they feel comfortable with him. So if we could pull some of those people in, you know, okay, fine. Because he said himself, I am a bridge. And so I'm wondering, and this was starting to say that, is he going to make the, make it through the first four years? There is a question mark there. So who his VP pick is, is so crucial. And I think, you know, I, I, unless there's somebody that I don't know, he, he suggested that it would be one of the, his, you know, 2020 running uh somebody who was running in 2020 so that that abrams yeah well i was just gonna say there's, <laughs> there's harrison warren but then there's stacy abrams yep. and she's so fierce so it's like is that who you think he's gonna pick i think it'll be stacy abrams because i think uh kamala as much as i love her would be a a, a perfect pick for ag yeah and then, this is my opinion, which is what you're asking. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't mm -hmm. seen the numbers on it. But uh, from my contacts with everybody I talk to, uh, I think that would be his best choice. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, we'll see. I'm just I wish he would announce because because I know that once he announces his VP, there's going to be, you know, a lot of people are like me and like you, I guess, because I don't know how you felt about him. But I mean, I'm not like dying because he's the nominee. He's just not my first choice. And um, no, he's not my first choice. He's not either. Mr. Excitement. But uh, his VP will be an exciting that will I think that will get people excited and, and make make them feel more excited to vote. Um, but I want to bring this back to the COVID thing, because I want to talk about do you think now, obviously, we've seen some resistance to Medicare for all. And it seems to me that the virus is probably going to determine um, the future of our health care. Do you agree? Do you think that's going to happen? I think it is going to be a part of the process of shaping it. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, boy, I do have that polit politician's uh, propensity <laughs> to make an easy answer longer, don't I? Well, that's good, though. Uh, yeah, I've just learned so much the last few years. Um, yeah, I do think it's going to shape it because what, one thing I observe right now, and it kind of makes me laugh, and I don't know how to comment on it publicly, so I don't. Mm -hmm. Until now. Oh, great. They're going to quote me on this one. But, uh, you know, one of the main arguments that I've always seen, especially among the, you know, the, the blue-collar workers, shall we say, mm -hmm. who suddenly get very fiscally conscious when the government wants to spend their tax money, yeah. um, is, you know, the the $2 tr trillion dollar, uh, stimulus bill right now, the COVID-19 stimulus bill, 
kind of puts a lie to that uh, question of how are we going to pay for it? Right. Um, the United States, ever since we've really started uh, pushing our deficit, and it, it has uh, shown exponential growth <laughs> under Trump, especially the deficit. The debt has been growing, uh, you know, for many years. Obviously, uh, I think Reagan uh, tipped it tipped it over a whole lot, and then uh, you know. Uh, Clinton got it under control for a bit, and we had a balanced budget. And then, of course, the the Bush policies and the the Iraq War and the yeah. Afghanistan War, and just a huge debt run up on our credit card. Um, you know, we've always spent money we didn't have. Mm-hmm. That's that's always. I mean, we 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 base our finances, and it's why the the dollar is the world standard, yeah. because our GDP has been so strong. We we spend money as a government based on our G- GDP, not numbers, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of deficit, uh, which is and I don't have the current information. Last I saw was around 22 trillion. And I'm sure that's jumping. Um, def- uh, excuse me, debt, mm-hmm. debt. Right. Uh, yeah. The, the deficit is also expanding and will go up enormously this year obviously with this mm-hmm, stimulus yes. bill but the the main thing i we push for in the democratic party per se and certainly me mm-hmm. is that if you're going to spend money as a government which apparently there's no in, insight to that <laughs> you have to you have to do it for the people yeah i agree that, absolutely that, yeah you know if it's for the people then i can rationalize that a lot easier than I can, you know, with a uh, corporate socialism yeah. bailing out corporations. Yeah. And I understand corporations are, you know, the employers. I, I, yeah. I know that argument. I've owned a few small businesses myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not speaking as one who wants to tear down capitalism. Mm-hmm. I am a capitalist, but, you know, there can be humanitarian capitalism. Mm-hmm. You have to look out for the actual people because if nobody shows up to work, you're not selling any products. Mm-hmm. We're seeing that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The massive spl- spike in unemployment. Um, because comes from we're asking people to look out for each other and please don't spread this disease because you're going to kill our healthcare system really yeah. quick if everybody goes on with life as normal and we have a pandemic run you know rampant throughout the country with yeah. a mortality rate that we're not sure of and no vaccine available for another year and killing so, healthcare workers right and and disproportionately down here in Louisiana. We're, 70% of our fatalities in Louisiana are, are African-American mm-hmm. and we don't even know why yet. Yeah. So, you know, you know, there's a lot of factors that please look out for the people. The people right. are, the people are the government, not, you know, not Exxon, not Apple. Right. You know, I love Apple. I'm using an iPhone right now, yeah. but you know, they shouldn't get a vote, you know, in, in our government, the people who work at Apple, of course, but that's, you know, citizens United was a horrible, you know, corporations yeah, are not awful. people. Corporations are not people. Sorry, people are people. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what was that? Oh, I saw a meme, and I imagine they, they sourced it. But regardless, and I so I I'm not saying this is absolute, but I saw a meme circulating that I think it was like Denmark and Norway were paying their um, their people like I was between seventy five percent and eighty percent of their salaries while they were sheltering right. in place. So you know, I mean, it, it can be done. You know, I was talking with someone the other day who is a MAGA person. It's a, a family member, and she. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, she has a home in some small little town in Italy. I mean, I'm talking about like remote. There mm-hmm. is absolutely no opportunity at all. And so she was trying to point out how. Um, you know, oh, there's all these, you know, I don't really get into it with her. I just let her say what she's going to say. And I don't argue with her because there is no point. 
And sure. when I was a little girl, I mean, she she was very sweet to me and has always been sweet to me. It's just that now she's conservative. Well, I'm sorry. She's not conservative. She's uh, MAGA. And so, right. um, you know, she, she was arguing and saying, oh, all these people, um, because she obviously she's not going to be going to Italy this year because of COVID and all of that. And she was saying all these people who are saying, you know, that the healthcare is better outside of the United States, they don't know anything. And it's like, okay, you're comparing, uh, <laughs> your little town in Italy that nobody's even around. Like there's, there's France, there's England, there's Canada. Those are not, you know, I mean, that's who you're going to compare it to. You're not going to compare it to a really tiny, small town in Italy. And, you know, I mean, my brother who is, he's very uh, practical. He's a Democrat, but he's, he's very center. I, I would say that he'd probably be a Republican, um, if it weren't for his social positions, because socially he's Demo- he's a Democrat. Um, but I asked him, you know, which Best way to be. Yeah. Which system? Because he he was he's a, a he was a Navy guy and he lived abroad. He actually lived in Italy and then he married a woman from England. So he spent a lot of time in England. And in fact, his daughter was born in England. They're both here now. So I said, you know, which system do you think is better? for healthcare, England system or the American? He goes, oh, England for sure. And I mean, mm-hmm. I want to be so clear that my brother is not like me. He's not like me. <laughs> he's not progressive. <laughs> um, he's very, very centrist. He doesn't follow politics very much, but, you know, he recognizes that the universal healthcare is the shit. I mean, it's like, yeah, that's what we need. And I think the thing is, is that politicians really need to do a better job of explaining the whole tax situation because people hear higher taxes and what they do is they think, oh, they, they don't take out their, their payment that they're paying now, their high payment for their insurance company. Uh, right. They're, in, they're including it with extra taxes. And it's like, no, you take out anything you're paying for your medical right, right. anything. Right. And then you have higher taxes, which are usually, for the, I would guess, not going to even be as high as what so many people, I mean, their family's paying $2,000 a month. And right. so, um, you know, you're not going to have I thought uh, Elizabeth Warren explained that very well. But, yeah, she, uh, she did, but she's political a woman. Mes- political messaging <laughs> is done on an eighth grade level mm-hmm. um, yeah. at best, at best. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's the best political messaging. I mean, I'm, that's from campaign insiders who tell me yeah. you're, you're speaking too eloquently. You have to shorten your words. That's so true. Um, it is true. So uh, Warren pointed that out. Yes, your taxes will not go may go up, but you're going to be paying less here. But people yeah. hear higher taxes, they don't want to hear the rest of they, the Senate. Yeah, they get they get closed off to it. And it's just, I wish people would open their mind. And the whole eighth grade comment is so true because, you know, I mean, I even thought about that when I first started getting into opening my big mouth on social media. I realized mm. that sometimes you have, not that I'm such, I'm some intellectual, but I, I know that you have, like when I was younger, I wrote a book called American Woman the pole dance women in voting and i i wrote it because i wanted to write it for my younger self who was not paying attention to politics and when i would hear politicians get too fancy and 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 too detailed i would just i didn't give a shit i just they right. lost me right and like sometimes i would look at hillary clinton and when she would answer a question it, it just it seemed like it was too smart <laughs> you know, it's like right. above people's heads because there a lot of people are just, you know, getting their politics just from the evening news or headlines. They're not steeped into it like many of us are on Twitter. And so it's it's better to just kind of give a basic understanding so that there's no question. And yes, you're right. Elizabeth Warren definitely 
she did do that. But you know what? She just, there wasn't enough time. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of her no matter what happens with whoever Biden chooses. I think, you know, uh, Obama has been promoting her and I think that she is not going anywhere. Um, so we're going to see more of her. I, I would also, hope not. <laughs> no, she's not going anywhere. And she's just so awesome. Um, I want to switch this over now um, to the election because obviously yesterday we saw the Supreme Court decided that Democrats basically had to go out and risk their lives to vote. And so there's, you know, all this chatter about <coughs> what's going to happen. Uh, is the election going to be canceled? And then people say, no, it can't be canceled because it's Congress. But we, the way I look at it, like, we can't take anything for granted because we have a president who does not obey laws, norms, and process. And... So I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I spoke with Terry Kanefield on Monday and like her take on this is like, no, we're going to have the election. And then I spoke with uh, Jared Yates Sexton, who is a something like a 38 year old author, very much into politics. He's like, oh, my God, people pay attention. He's going to try to stop this election. And so I don't know exactly know what's going to happen, but I'm just wondering, what are you thinking? I mean, with the, th there could be a resurgence in the coronavirus at that time that they're predicting a second wave might come up. What, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, complex issue, complex, yeah, yeah. complex answer. Yeah. Um, yes, you pointed out a, a very valid uh, point in the middle of that, in that Trump is a natural politician in that he himself is not complicated. Uh -huh. um, so therefore, yes, he would make... Um, he would endeavor, I believe, to stop the election, if the, especially if the poll numbers, which yeah. they would be by then, would show him losing badly to Biden. Yeah. Um, and once that reality sinks in, however, we see that what he does politically is purely on visceral mm -hmm. and even childish social, social messaging. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's his gig. That's yeah. what he does. Um, so... Yes, there is a danger that he would do that. Our checks and balances are such that, yes, Congress is the only one who has the power to suspend elections. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I don't believe Madam Speaker Pelosi no. uh, has any interest in delaying the election. However, we have to factor in the real world in that it might be dangerous for the American public to go out in public and vote at that time. Mm -hmm. There might be the second wave, as you pointed out. So uh, currently right now, what a lot of state legislators are pushing for, uh, including uh, Mandy Landry here in uh, Louisiana, and we're backing her up on this, is the to get vote by mail yeah. um, on, in all 50 states. We have to be prepared for Trump to be stupid. Um, I think that is our responsibility as the American public. We've elected a child. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with it. Um, and uh, we have to think one step ahead. Mm -hmm. um, the president is not going to lead us down the best path. Best path. Yeah. We know this. This is this is not a question. He's, he's going to lead us down to what is his own self-interest. And if he thinks he's going to be arrested by the Southern District of New York as soon as he you know, gets sworn out of office, which he would, then he's going to do everything within his yeah. power <laughs> to protect himself and his, his business enterprises and his kids. So we have to be prepared to protect American democracy. That's our job as voters. Well, I look at the place, you know, these red states, and, and the fear is that they're not going to go with uh, vote by mail. Um, 
but I, I I mean I don't know but then it's like all right well then then only blue states get to well the the red states would have to show up then and then risk their lives so, which is always a problem exactly so I think the red states are you know going like Kentucky and um, you know some of these deep red states that are gonna keep people from voting <laughs> which, by mail of which of which uh, Louisiana is one by the way yes you can say it. <laughs> so, yeah and so we I'm, are. <laughs> Out of six congressional reps, we have one Democrat and five Republicans. Wow. Our governor, through the grace of God and a really good campaign, is is, is a Democrat. Right, 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 uh, right, right. Yes. But the entire state legislature is dominated by Republicans. The AG is a is a sycophant for Trump, and you know he was one of the ones leading the lawsuit to overturn the ACA. Right. So I mean, you know. What the down here, it's all about the messaging. Republicans care about you and make sure you're employed, and they don't want them, you know, mm -hmm. capital T quotation marks taking away your rights. That's their messaging. And the them changes, you know, it could be illegal aliens, it could right, used to be exactly. blacks, yeah, you know, Jim Crow sense, days, yeah. used to be blacks are trying to take away your rights and live off of your dime. That's what they sell. Yeah. And right now it's illegal aliens. And oh, actually, they're switching to China right now. China's mm -hmm. evil. China's, China's trying to kill you. This is how they're doing it. And they, they go for a very guttural grassroots yeah. messaging of fear. And right. that's that's their methodology. And getting past that isn't a matter of explaining to people, no. you know, why that's wrong. You have to counter that messaging. Yeah. And and so that's what the difference between running yeah, in a red get, state and a blue state is. Right. You have to get people to feel because um, right. that's where, it, you know, they feel fear. They feel anger. So they have to that has to be countered with another feeling, um, which makes it hard. Right. But th there's the there's the other thing where and I don't even really know where this would come into play. But like, let's say let's say um, Trump says, let's let's postpone the election. And then Congress says, no, well, he could take it to the Supreme Court. And then we've got Kavanaugh. I mean, there's there's something like that could happen. Right. Mm, Do you think? That's, I, I don't want to speculate on that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, um, I mean, yes, it's a, it's a legitimate fear. I mean, elections have consequences. We knew that when they refused to let Obama have his final Supreme Court right, pick and yes. held it off. I mean, we knew then that, uh, you know, we were in trouble. Well, we knew once Trump was elected that we were in trouble, that he had one in place. And then, of course, Kennedy, you know, the payments, to, you know, behind the bank from Deutsche Bank and cleared up debts and all of a sudden yeah. Kavanaugh was denominated. I mean, we understand their game. Right. This is all about judges. This mm -hmm. is all about federal mm -hmm. judges. That's yeah. all this administration, tax cuts and judges. Mm -hmm. And you could tell people that, but they don't want to hear it mm -hmm. because, again, they don't. If you think people vote on policy, you know, right now, Elizabeth Warren would be our nominee. Exactly. Um, yeah. They vote on fear and emotion. You know, Trump called her Pocahontas. That was it. Yep. You know, he's he's a dick. Yes. <laughs> he's, a, he's a fucking dick. A small little Trump. mushroom dick, but yes. <laughs> a small little mushroom dick, according to Stormy Daniels. Um, and I believe her. You I know, do, believe too. The women. She's a Louisiana woman, uh, oh, wow. Stormy Daniels is. Um, so, yeah, elections have consequences. And now we're trying to fight from behind and yeah. getting people to realize this is the election of our lifetimes. This is it. Mm -hmm. This is the end game. If Trump wins again. That's it. Um, yeah, that's that it. Too. You know, yeah. he's going to deconstruct and it's going to become authoritarian. And exactly. then you're worried about your rights. Well, it won't have any unless you're white. Yeah. You and, know, and even if you're white, you still don't get to, you don't get to talk own, out. own a company. Yeah. And you still and you don't get to say shit about the president. We, we basically right. turn into right. uh, the American version of the current Russian oligarchy. So I right. wish, you know, right. I, I had he Steve, loved Putin. And they that's do. Why. 
Yeah, and I had Steve Schmidt on the show not too long ago, and I was actually surprised because I asked him about this. You know, he's so vocal about um, being a never-Trumper, but then when he was on my show, he was a little bit, uh, he blamed Democrats, I think, more than he normally does when he's on MSNBC, but I asked him if, you know, he thought that we would turn into an oligarchy because I think we would, and he was like, no, I think he's wrong there. I think we would. Um, you know. Yeah, I, anybody who defends Trump that he wouldn't do the 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 we wouldn't move towards the lowest common denominator right, exactly. hasn't been paying attention. No, no. I mean, and Steve's a smart guy. I don't agree with him a lot of the time. I mean, I mm-hmm. always agree with him when he's going after this administration. I know he's part of the Lincoln Project and they're never Trumpers, but to, right. to say that he thinks that we have, I mean, just by watching the way the the country has been um, going since he started in 2017, I think it's pretty evident. The goal here is to kneecap democracy, and Putin has definitely got his uh, his strings attached. So, and he's he is uh, Trump is Putin's puppet. So we all yeah. see it. <laughs> um, the last question I want to ask you, though, is about women and minorities, because obviously you are in the Deep South, and women and minorities are the hardest hit. So, what role will the South play? Um, the Southern battle to keep up with the company and the rights for women and minorities. Where's your stance on that? Uh, I'm sorry, what's the specific question? Just what role is the South going to play um, with that battle to, you know, we see in a lot of red states, um, the rights of women and minorities are being stripped away. So as we move Absolutely. forward, uh, how does that play out? Like, where do you see it? Like, do you think do you think we're going to be like all blue in Dece- uh, in November? Do you think the red states or I should say the southern states are just going to I mean, obviously, they're going to keep trying. But do you think they're going to be successful? Well, I think we're going to see and this is a realistic response. I think we're going to see a lot of purpling. OK, um, I do think more people are aware of the strings behind the scenes than ever before. Yeah. Um, the um, obviously, as they put it, why do red voters vote against their own best interests? Um, but that goes on the messaging level. At the deeper level, um, and part of why my campaign is really taking hold down here is that um, minority voters and, and women voters, obviously, my two biggest mm-hmm. champions. Yeah. And and the two biggest causes of which I am a champion, because uh, let's face it, as a white male, you know, uh, middle class guy, I've never experienced discrimination mm-hmm. and on that level. And yeah. uh, I married a Puerto Rican woman from New York hmm. and learned a whole lot of <laughs> empathy yeah. and to look at what's behind the scenes. Um, from that exposure and then therefore learn to actually listen to what people say. Yeah. So um, the reason, you know, I I offer myself up basically like, you know, the Hunger Games, I'll volunteer (laughs) as tribute. Um, You know, I'm a white male working class guy, so I'm the perfect Trojan horse uh, to run in the South. Um, it would nothing would make me happier than, you know, one of my campaign aides, you know, a, a woman of color taking over my seat in a couple of years, mm-hmm. you know, get, getting elevated by the breakthrough of what we're trying to do of to trying to get a Democrat in Congress mm-hmm. down here to to fight against these stupid policies, you know, and um, there's a great book. I don't know if you've read it called Merge Left. It's a good one. And the gist of it uh, is 
that um, the average voter needs to band together and realize that it's not us versus them, us against minorities or us against women, that them gaining rights does not take away from our, Mm -hmm. with the quotation marks, you know, white male rights, but that we are on the same side against a corporate structure that has run wild with deregulation that no longer favors workers, that our common enemy is the oligarchy. Yes, definitely. And, and, and we should be in solidarity. You know, the janitor over there or the nurse over there or the teacher mm-hmm. or, or the, you know, the convenience store clerk, you're all on the same side against people who are trying to screw you. Yes. And and their messaging that it's them, you know, it's it's Mexicans now, it's China now. They're trying to keep you voting for them because they're pushing for corporate control. Mm-hmm. And that's literally all it is. People look for deeper meaning, but really that's mm-hmm. that's it. Look at it since the Reagan days. Look at how the cost of living has not uh, been reflected in, say, the minimum wage yeah. or, or, you know, uh, equal pay or, you know, and I, in my case, I strongly advocate for unions because unions are the most egalitarian of structures. They represent the workers. So, of yeah. course, they want equal pay for women. Of course, they want equal mm-hmm. pay for minorities because they want more people in unions because that is their power, the mm-hmm. people. So, you know, people look at, oh, well, unions are corrupt. Oh, OK. And the government isn't. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't right. understand what, <laughs> you know, I don't understand the backlash against unions. Like as a former union worker. Unions are on your side, I promise you. Yeah, well, I was in a union. Uh, I was in the SAG union. I used to be an actress. So, yeah, and you definitely definitely want that union behind you when you're an actor, (laughs) especially when you're a woman. Yes, it's one of the few strong unions left, actually, SAG SAG and the Teamsters. Um, The AFL-CIO, obviously, is still a power structure, but it's not like it was in the 70s. Yeah. Um, the constant right to work, right to work laws were first passed here in Louisiana, I believe in 1977 or 78. Hmm. That's how long ago they've started fighting back. So wow. of course they've kept unions down, down here. Mm-hmm. They want you to work for an oil company and tell you the oil companies are everything when they employ you for six months and lay you off for six months. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, you know, they say, well, oil is the only thing, you know, if we can't be against oil or we'll all be unemployed. It's like, well, let's put in some diverse businesses. Yes. Let's put in some solar power. Uh-huh. You know, the sun doesn't go out six months a year. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> unless you live in Norway, <laughs> yes. you know, above the Arctic Circle. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. Let's so, do some wind. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the entire campaign is just pushing for people. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all it is. Yeah. And, of course, women and minorities and the LGBT community, you're, we're all people. Right. So, you know, people say, are you for trans rights? Or are they people? Then, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yes. And people that's how I actually rights. answer that question. When yeah. people, you know, the, the, you know, I hate, uh, I don't like to bring up racism because it's a sensitive topic mm-hmm. because a lot of racist people don't think they're racist and they yeah. don't like being called racist. Course, so I don't right. call them racist. I address the issues other ways. Yeah. Why shouldn't, you know, this person, why shouldn't this woman make the same as you? She does the same job. Yeah. Well, she doesn't have a family to feed. Well, welcome to 2020 when single mothers are, you know, more, more normative than mm-hmm. they were when I was a kid, yeah. you know, and everybody should be able to earn a living wage. Well, that was like, if you work, you should get a living wage. Yes. And my mother, who was a single mother, my parents split mm-hmm. up when I was uh, three years old. So there were uh, several different occasions where my mother had ridiculous discrimination at work. But one was um, when a guy, I, I can't remember exactly the, the details of it, but they paid him more. And, and she said, why? And it was, well, he has a family. She said, well, so do I. And I'm a single woman. Right. And, <laughs> right. you know, and it's like, but they just didn't care. 
And, you know, she, they also, uh, one company, um, fu- they, they were going to, they fired my mom and they were mm. going to hire a guy. And then they wanted my mom to train him. <laughs> and she's like, fuck I've you. I've heard that before. Yeah. And so she, she didn't do I'm- it. I didn't mean to laugh at no, it. No, but that, yeah, I mean, I was it's laughing ridiculous. at the circumstances. Like, it's I've ridiculous. heard that many times. Um, you know, right before we go, I kind of want to go back to a hopeful thing when you said you think it's going to be a lot of purple. Now, granted, people do vote out of fear, and that's what motivates mm. people. And we know this because when we had this um, feeling of safety, and security with Obama as president, Democrats did not show up in 2010 and 2014 in the midterms. And that's why we saw the Republicans take congressional power. Uh, they started with the Tea Party in 2010 and then right, just extended right, in, in right. 2014. So clearly, you know, we see Trump come in. And I, I wanted to point out Virginia because Virginia was a red state that went purple. And so when, uh-huh. you, when you said purple, like there's hope as long as we can keep the motivation to vote going because then it turned blue so we went from red to purple to blue so if if we're going to be and i hope we do i you know there's there are elect excuse me there are election experts that are out there saying you know we're going to have a big huge not even blue wave not even you know like a blue flood we're going to have a blue flood now i don't know what covid's going to do with this but still the prediction from one guy uh right after the 2018 midterms was a 67 percent general election turnout so if we're able to see that and we're able to keep up that understanding of voting is important every year whatever uh, is turned purple in this coming election could be turned blue in the following. And what's so great about that is um, when Virginia turned blue, it became the very last state needed to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment, which I'm an advocate of and have been of course, know, promoting, as since 20, yes, and promoting since 2012. So um, there is hope there. But, you know, the thing is, is it's like, as my boyfriend, Bob Suska, always says, don't get happy. That's the problem. People get comfortable and they're like, eh. Because they're work, you know, they're working, they're feeding their kids, they're going to this, they're going to, d- and they're not paying attention, and they haven't been showing up to the midterms. And I just hope that this this whole Trump situation. I hope he's a one termer, and I hope that he has given the. I mean, with with COVID coming in, especially, um, I th- I'm really hopeful that he is showing the majority of Americans how important it is. I mean, I don't know how much people are paying attention. I would like for more people to pay attention always, but you know. Obviously, whenever there's some kind of grand, um, it, you know, something big happening, you know, something big and bad. That's when people, right. like when we have a huge stock market crash, when we have, you know, obviously a global pandemic, people go, oh, and they, they pay attention. But it's like, well, we need to pay attention all the time because there are elections every year. <laughs> so, Agreed. Every year. And, yeah, exactly. Our gubernatorial election was last year mm-hmm. in an off year. And uh, yeah. the governor won by only 40,000 votes. Wow. And yeah, that's a close race. Yeah. Um, so to speak what your point just was, I, I agree a lot in that I think the best advertisement to vote against Trump is Trump himself. Yeah. Um, he is displaying on a daily, weekly, monthly basis exactly how incompetent, <laughs> self-serving and corrupt uh-huh. this administration is. And I really think that message is trickling down. Mm-hmm. Um because people hear him stupid th- say stupid things, which you know they may have cheered on two years ago. It's yeah. like, yeah, he's sticking to D.C., but now they realize, hey, my my grandmother just died of COVID. Yes. You know, my my neighbor has it now. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not working. And people yeah. are really starting to see, I believe, that yes, this 
this is an administration you know, inept administration. No, we don't expect government to solve all our problems, but we do expect government to solve problems to which they are tasked. Yes. And one of which was to have a pandemic response team. Mm -hmm. Yes. And which was disbanded by Trump and John Bolton, actually. He doesn't get enough credit for that one, and he needs to be dragged over the coals, by the way, former Ambassador Bolton. Mm -hmm. Um, He was the one who recommended. And then, of course, the the uh, CDC operative who was in uh, station in Beijing, I believe, uh, who would have been poised to tell us what was going on back in December um, and thus delaying, uh, what is it they're calling it? It's hashtagging it, I think, 70 days late. I think it was 70 days, the lag of response time yes, yes. from, and yes, that's what government's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. No, government doesn't affect your daily lives in the sense that, you know, it doesn't put bread on your table or it doesn't, you know, uh, you know, teach your kids how to read. You're supposed mm-hmm. to do that, yeah. but government is supposed to help, not hinder. Exactly. Yes, exactly. That's the whole freaking point. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there you go. There's your well, talking. Point. Well said. Government is um, supposed to help and not hinder. Yes. And he's hindering. And that's becoming yeah, obvious. He is. He's hindering. It's, he's, he's in the way of people who are trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And he's also making us all terrified. I mean, I was terrified well, before COVID came along. <laughs> so, I mean, it's worse now. Um, all right. Well, I want to yes, say, ma'am. first of all, thank you for being on the show. I, you have such a cool perspective. I would love to see more people. I want you to get elected. I would love to see more people like you getting elected, especially in the red states. Um, and I, I really wish you the best. So why don't you tell people a where to like your social media and then B, I'm going to sure. put, and I'm going to put this in the Patreon description of the show. So everybody who's listening, if you want to donate to Rob, um, I'm going to have the link there, but go ahead and tell everybody anyway. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you. I mean, you're, you're an awesome host. I've done a bunch of podcasts and you're, uh, as sharp and uh, knowledgeable and engaging as any of them. Thank so, you. you know, thank you for that. Thank <laughs> you for having me. And that's true. I'm not just buttering your biscuit. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one thing you may know about me is I'm fairly prone to the truth. Um, <laughs> I have Asperger's syndrome and I'm almost incapable of lying. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, my name is Rob Anderson. I'm running in Louisiana's third congressional district, which is Southwest Louisiana. Uh, my website is robandersonforcongress.com. Okay. Easy enough. Yeah. And, of course, on Twitter, which is my main social media thrust, is uh, at robanderson2018. Um, and on the website, of course, are all the donation links. And for anybody who can, thank you very much. It's very uh, difficult uh, from a moral, ethical, and public relations standpoint right now to fundraise yeah. while we're all facing a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't want to have to lay off my entire campaign staff exactly. and fire. Yeah. People say, why are you fundraising during a pandemic? I'm not, but, you know, <laughs> I have bills too. Yes. Um, campaigns, we, we all think that everybody should work for us for free, but you won't work for free. And, you know, I don't get paid for this, but my staff does. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, Rob Anderson, 2018. I don't know if that part should be in the podcast. It's me griping out loud a little bit. It's tough all over. I know. You know, my daughter just went. And, my daughter went in for a test for COVID 19 oh, yesterday. I'm so, sorry. so this is happening in real life to me too. Oh, I hope um, she's okay. I really hope she's okay. It's just so stressful. Why? She's young. She's uh, she's 29. My daughter. So, yeah. well, you know, fingers crossed on that. Yes. Uh, I, anyway, we're, we're all facing this is my point. We're, yes. we're all in the middle yeah. of this. Um, and on Facebook, it's Rob Anderson for Louisiana. And if you Google Rob Anderson for Louisiana, believe me, I'm the only return. All right. Um, 
There's only there's only one famous Rob Anderson in Louisiana, and I'm famous because <laughs> I tell the truth. Well, that's awesome, and and again, I'm I, I hope you win, and I wish you, you all the best. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show, and I will see you on Twitter. Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much, and I look forward to it. All right, take care. Wow, I just hope his daughter's okay. That was like a downer at the end. Uh, he's a cool guy, as you could see. He like I would put him in the. Um, he's a working class blue collar progressive, kind of like like Randy Bryce, who, by the way, I don't know if you're you guys know who Randy Bryce is. He's Iron Stash. He uh, where was he running? I want to say it was Michigan. Was it Michigan or Wisconsin? I can't remember. But um, I just want to say about him that he's super freaking nice. He he's a Bernie supporter. And the other day on Twitter, um, I was pissed off because Joe Rogan, you know, said I'm going to vote for Trump over Biden. And I posted something about that. And then Randy Bryce came on my thread and said um, something like, well, Bernie, Bernie didn't say it. And, and, and I like Randy. So this was not an adversarial conversation. Um, but anyway, so um, I said, yes, I know he, he didn't say it. But the problem is, is somebody like Joe Rogan has all this influence and, you know, he's he can influence people to not vote for Biden. And that terrifies me. And so, you know, Randy was basically sending over a united message, you know, in his comment. But then he did reach out to me in private and he was very gracious and very sweet. And so I kind of want to just put that out there because obviously Bernie supporters now are very upset and it's understandable. Their candidate, you know, I mean, I was very upset when Elizabeth Warren dropped out, but the funny thing is, is I had two reactions. My first reaction was I had told myself in this election that I was not going to get emotionally involved and I did my best. I mean, I really liked Elizabeth Warren. I, 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 I I say it all the time. I don't like, I love Elizabeth Warren. I don't want to love anybody because then it's so disappointing when, if they lose. And so, um, I put it out there, you know, I'm not going to get emotionally involved like I did in 2016. And when Bernie lost, I cried two different times. And one of those times was at the Stephanie Miller sexy liberal comedy tour. He was already, he had already lost. And I think it was like July or August. And we were watching um, his, that, that ad with the Simon and Garfunkel song. And I fucking lost my mind. And then, you know, I was crying and I had cried initially when it happened. So, I mean, I was really upset and I didn't want that anymore. Like I didn't want to feel that um, emotionally attached because it was so hard. So when Elizabeth Warren dropped out, I was actually like, I was disappointed, but I was kind of okay. I didn't cry. But then, I don't know, I had it. It was, it was really weird because it was during one evening, all of a sudden, like, for instance, let me just go back. Steph called me when she dropped out and Steph was crying. And I was like, no, 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 she's probably going to be the VP. And in my mind, I'm finding ways to not cry. And so, um, but I didn't cry. And so cut to, I don't know, a, a day or two later. I don't know if it was a week later, whatever it was. Something got in my head and I got really fucking pissed. And it wasn't because she she didn't get the primary. It was because she was a woman and all the reasons why she didn't get the nomination were bullshit. And it pissed me off. And it's like, look, I get that it's, you know, 
you got this group of people, only one of them's going to rise to the top. And it irritated me that, of course, it was the two old white men that rise, that rose to the top and all the women had to drop out. And so that was really what was pissing me off. It was Elizabeth Warren, but it was more about all of them. It was about Kamala Harris and Amy Klobuchar and uh, um, what's her name? It was not Tulsi. I didn't give a shit about her. But um, why can't I think of her name? I want to say Kirsten. What is her name? You guys, I can't believe I c why can I not think of her name? She's awesome and she's fi she fights for women better than anybody else and her name is just totally escaping me right now. So you'll have to excuse me um, and I apologize because I just, her name escapes me. But um, I was pissed off that very qualified women had to drop out and the two white men and it's not that I have anything against freaking white men. I just interviewed a white man who I think is great and awesome. And, you know, it's like it, it just irritates me that the country can't get behind a, a qualified woman. And, yes, I know we got behind Hillary Clinton, who was a qualified woman, and she was duped out um, because of, you know, a combination of decades of GOP smears that crossed over into our party because there are Democrats that hated Hillary Clinton based on the bullshit that they were hearing from Republicans. And I might get some shit for saying this, but they, they were. And you know what? I'm going to just add in there that there are Democrats that refuse to identify as feminists because they, because again, they have allowed Republicans to set the narrative and, and they somehow think, you know, feminist is a dirty word when feminist just means equal rights you know, whether it's uh, legal or social, period. That's all. That's all it means. So if you believe in that, you are a feminist by definition. Um, you know, the Republicans would have you believe otherwise. They want to paint feminists as dirty women who, you know, have dirty sex all the time and don't shave their armpits. And even if they don't shave their armpits, what fucking difference does it make to you? But anyway, um, it was just the whole thing that Hillary Clinton was the most qualified person to be president. She had more credentials than anyone else. I mean, she was first lady. She was a senator. She, you know, was the secretary of state. The woman knows her shit. She's so smart. And, you know, yes, she won the popular vote, but she lost the election and Americans, you know, there were enough Americans that made it possible for her to lose the election, even though she got the popular vote, even though she got more votes than any other white man in history. It's just, uh, you know, it was that combined with um, all of the women having to drop out that just, I, I was, I, I had like, you know, so it was like this night at seven o'clock or whatever it was, I started getting pissed and I started thinking about it and I was getting really fucking angry. And then I get a message from my mom and she was going through exactly the same thing right when I was going through it. Like all of a sudden it hit both of us. It was really weird how that happened. But, you know, it is what it is. And now we have Biden and I'm just really curious to see who is, you know, you know, obviously Rob thinks he's going to pick St Stacey Abrams. And if he picks Stacey Abrams, I'm going to be screaming and jumping up and down and going, woohoo. But you know what? It'll pretty much be for anyone he chooses. I just hope, I just hope that whoever it is, and this is not to bag on Tim Kaine, because actually I think Tim Kaine is really impressive when you, when you go over his um, resume, he's an impressive guy. And the fact that he is pro, I'm sorry, pro, I, I don't like to use the term pro-life. He is anti, no, 
he isn't anti-choice. He is, he is pro-choice in his politics. In his personal life, he doesn't believe in abortion. And so I can't tell people how to feel about abortion, but that's the whole point, and neither is he. He's saying this is my personal position, but I'm not going to put my personal position onto you. You get the choice. So, but but the old the idea is Tim Kaine was just kind of a like. Uh, that's pretty much how people felt. They weren't aware of him. They didn't. I wasn't, but I, I looked him up. He was pretty impressive. Um, but we need somebody with some excitement. We need to get somebody in the VP position who is strong and who's going to make, especially people who are so disappointed about Bernie losing. We need to get somebody in there who's going to make them go, well, at least he picked her, <laughs> you know? So here's hoping. I guess we'll find out soon enough. Um, that's going to be it. So now I wanted to make sure and remind everybody, I told, told you this in the beginning, but just in case, um, not going to do a patrons only show this week. I will be talking with Sarah Wood. I think that is we're we're kind of pending on that. We're not we haven't we, we've penciled it in. We haven't inked it in. But that'll be on April 21st and then um or no I'm, I'm sorry, April 20th, which is 4:20. Wink wink nudge nudge. And then on the 22nd um no. I can't remember. That week, so on the 20th and the 22nd, these are the people I'm going to be talking with. Sarah Wood and Steph. Steph Walton. Um, oh, by the way, if you haven't seen Steph on Twitter singing about Murphy's Oil, go now. Just go to her at Lady Brain. And it's so cute. She's so funny and she's so cute. Anyway, so that's going to be it. You can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Um, you can visit... Amazon and look at my books, Kimberly A. Johnson. And yeah, just to reiterate, no patrons only show this week, but uh, we still have um, two weeks left. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to have one the following week and then the one the week after. So we'll see who you get. Is it going to be me solo? Is it going to be me with Steph? I don't know. You'll find out. <laughs> Take care, everyone. See you next week. Be safe, stay home, and be healthy. <laughs>